Greetings, glorious humans, gentle ladies, ladmen, ladies and gentlemen, dreamers and dreams alike, and welcome to the Devolver Digital Forecast here at forecast.devolverdigital.com. Hi, I'm your co-host JM. And I am Jared. Hey Jared, how's it going? It's going uh, all right. How are things on your end? Pretty good, pretty good. I, uh, I've been learning how to play the piano a little bit. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm taking piano classes at the local community college. And it's uh, surprisingly uh, not obtuse. Oh yeah, you're finding it pretty uh, pretty easy to grasp. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've tried playing like guitar a few times, and that never felt good in my hands. Like mm. I don't know, like it just I I I you know I could play a little bit, but I, I never felt. But like piano is like it's just pushing buttons. I always wanted. I w- I wish that I when I was younger, started learning piano because I, I, yeah. I play the guitar and it's a lot harder to try and translate, you know, notes and scales from there to a piano. But the piano is so laid out and so easy that I feel like mm-hmm. if you can play the piano, you can kind of, I don't know, translate that to just about anything. So I, yeah. I so that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I, I, I too, like, wish that I'd, like, you know, been forced to, <laughs> to mm-hmm. learn as a kid. Uh because yeah, that would, that would have been great. But yeah, it's great. You just push buttons. It's like it's and it, and music comes out. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's terrific. Uh, yeah. Been playing anything good lately? Uh, what have I been playing? I, I picked up a uh, Shadow of War on uh the Steam Lunar Sale. I've been playing that. I've been enjoying oh. it quite a bit. Nice. Is that the the Lord of the Rings one? Yes, yeah. Okay. Nice. And I'm not like a huge Lord of the Rings guy, but um, the combat is very similar to the Arkham, like the Batman games. I was like, okay. okay. And then the the Nemesis system that they have with the orcs um, mm-hmm. is what is what got me intrigued. And it was like I like like eighty percent off, so I've been been playing that lately. Nice. What about you? <laughs> uh, what have I been playing? Um, Monster Train. Oh, nice. <laughs> I feel I, it's, it's it just, I just, I like it, and I, I lose time in it, and uh, I'm just like, ooh, Monster Train, I can play this before bed, that won't keep me up well past my bedtime, I can, I can handle it, I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> oh, video games will do that. Video games will do that, that's the thing. Speaking like, of uh, losing, you know, like your time and yourself in a different world. I, I think we, we have a game that you can do that. <laughs> that oh, that really? I, I think so. I've, I've played it a bit myself and I found myself getting lost in it. Really? What, That's what game correct. is this? Why, uh, Weird West, of course. Weird, oh, Weird West, yeah, yeah. from, from Wolf Eye Studios. That's, that's coming out pretty soon. That, that's the one. That's the one. Do you want to talk about it? I would love to talk about it, but okay. I don't know if I want to talk about it with you. <laughs> I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, <laughs> wow. Is there, I mean, uh, okay, I fine. Like, I wish list. Who would you rather talk about it with? I don't know. I just, I wish there was somebody, I, I, I wish that I could just, I don't know who it would be. There, there's, there's somebody who would just start talking to me about Weird West right now. I wish that would happen. Hello. Ah, oh my god. god. Oh my god. <laughs> who, who, who is it? Who's there? Hey, my name is Raph Colantonio, and uh, I'm with uh, Wolf Eye. I'm president and creative director. 
That's uncanny. We were just talking about wanting to talk. How do, are you standing behind Jared? That's right. I, I do that. <laughs> I can oh, pop. yeah. That's where you were. I was wondering <laughs> what that was. <laughs> well, hi, Raphael. Welcome to the forecast. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for inviting. Uh, so, yeah, you're uh, president of Wolf Eye making uh, Weird West. Uh, and, uh, wait, oh, so many games have been pushed around lately. Do we, are we announced, are we announced on the release date or do I need to be vague? No, we did. We did announce on uh, March 31st. Oh, yeah. Very soon. It's coming. Are you excited? Nervous? Nerve-sided? Yeah, both actually, you know, and I think they usually come together, right? Uh, yeah. And I mean, it's been in the making for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of it because the world situation, but some of it is because it's just a hard game to pull off. And the last game that I shipped was Prey in 2017. So uh, yes, you know, it feels. It feels exciting and and to to finally come out of the of the the dark and uh, show what we've been working on for so long. It's um, yeah, and we hope you know we hope people are gonna love it. We hope that we'll have not any surprise bugs or thing that is gonna be in the way of uh, enjoying the game. But in principle, we're very proud of the of the the game you know of what what we what we did yeah we're very proud of it and also we feel full integrity and uh uh it's exactly the game we wanted to make and thank you devolver for uh being part of this adventure with us oh hell yeah Yeah. um we i think we'll get into the nitty-gritty of weird west in a second but uh so you mentioned prey so the um so for our listeners who don't know you used to work at arcane correct Yes, I was the founder and creative director at Arcane, and um, I, yeah, so I directed Arcs, Fatalis, Dark Messiah, Mind Magic, uh, and then I co- co-directed Dishonored with Harvey Smith, mm-hmm. and then I directed Prey, which was the last, you know, the last game before I left Arcane. That's awesome. Dang. That's a lot that's, of big that games. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Those, Dark Messiah is incredibly underrated, I will just say. If anybody listening has not played it, I highly recommend that game. <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a game made in pain. I mean, like most games. But, um, you know, I'd have to say this one was a little more compromised uh, creatively than any of my other games. Um, because... The publisher at the time, you know, they wanted to uh, use one of their own franchises and the story was not really exciting to us, etc. But we were very, very proud of the combat system. The combat system, the physicality of the game in general was uh, was there, you know, and it was something that people remember because it was fun to just uh, push NPCs around, make them slide on things and... <laughs> Uh, throw physics at them and you know, use the environment in creative ways. I mean, we got that right. And the f- feeling, the satisfying feeling of first-person melee combat that eventually was, uh, you know, it was kind of like the 
precursor to the system we had in Dishonored. So uh, yeah, it, it, it did pay off in many ways. Um, but you know, the games that the game had some flaws and. Um, but overall, yeah, it's uh, you know, it. I don't know if you know. There was uh, there's this video recently that is on YouTube that lists the 35 immersive sims in the history of gaming, and uh, it's kind of like mind blowing to me that there are only 35 games that are that fall into the category of immersive sim. So um, the like it it was just the 35 immersive sims. It was just like the 30, the yeah, that's it. List them all, you know, from the ranking as well, which, you know, the ranking part is a little arbitrary, you know. Yeah. His, his choice yeah. for the number one, like, I kind of disagree with, but um, but it's, you know, it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it's fine, you know. Like, the being, yeah. listing those 35 uh, games is already something. And, uh, of course, all the Arcane games are in there, and uh, I hope Weird West is going to be in that's there, too. awesome. <laughs> Well, definitely is Weird West definitely is immersive, so I, I would not be surprised. Number thirty-six. Yeah, thirty-six. <laughs> yep. So I, I'm curious because I was talking to someone recently about stage fright, and I've done theater and acting and you know on stage things my whole life, and I was like, yeah, that never goes away. So I, I'm curious. You've shipped a ton of successful games, really cool games, but there's still, I mean, is, there's still that anticipation, right, before it comes out when it happens, yeah. Of course, and uh, some of it is uh, some of it is trauma from <laughs> from all our games, frankly, other than Dishonored, uh, where it was a flawless uh, shipping of a game. Mm-hmm. Other than Dishonored, because Dishonored was marketing had it right, uh, game was right. QA did a perfect job, so we did not have any blockers or any bugs that, you know, the game was polished enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything was aligned. And, uh, but that's the only game. Like every other game we've made, from Arx Fatalis to Dark Messiah Magic, even Prey, the light, latest, uh, I mean, not latest after, before I left anyway. Uh, all of the other games I've made were always. Uh, gems in the rough you know people are like oh this game is amazing but it crashes my machine therefore I'm gonna give you a 6 out of 10 uh, <laughs> it's super cruel yeah so we've, we've had a good bunch of that so like I'm never I'm never at peace when I ship a game because yeah. uh, because that happens you know specifically on the PC market it's a different thing on console because the hardware is um is uh, stable you know we all uh, if it doesn't crash then it probably doesn't crash but uh, on yeah. PC anything can happen the wrong driver the wrong this the wrong that uh, yeah. and you know and players and, and the press can be uh, on edge all the time you know and they're ready to jump the gun you know, for, sometimes for good reasons because because on the other side of the of, of that developers sometimes release things that are too early you know yeah. Uh, which is which is why we pushed the game of three months last time, um, because we we don't want to you know we don't want to punch gamers in the face with with the wrong game you know we and because yeah. they will they will slap us as well in return. So we are we are gamers ourselves and we know you know we 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 want to make do our best to to give a good experience to people. It's uh, it's fair. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure Jared agrees. Like, it's it's always better to wait for the game to be ready. Like, yeah. oh, than yeah. to, like, oh, I didn't, like, I'd rather, I'd rather play a finished game that, that's, that works than, you know, rush into something that's not there yet. Yeah, and you would think this strategy would be obvious. Yeah. You would think that every publishers would get that because ultimately it's in the hands of the publishers. Not the developers, because the developers, they always want more time if they can, right? Yeah. Not because they're slackers or like don't know what they do, but just because it's so hard to make a game. It's so hard to make a game yeah. that uh, no matter how confident you are, no matter how this or that, at the end, it's uh, we can all make a game a little more polished with a little more time, you know? And, uh, and you would think... It's obvious that if you release a game too early, you're just gonna throw your money out of the window, and you know, and uh, and why would you do that? And yeah. yet, other than other than uh, a few actors in this industry, and Devolver being one of those, uh, it's pretty common for publishers to just ship games, you know, six months too early or three months too early, and then they. They, they they basically uh, wasted their time and the time of the developer in the in the process uh, with a with a game that is poorly received and is not going to do well, which is super sad. It's uh, super sad, yeah. and it, it should be obvious, but it's not apparently. Well, it should be obvious to consumers as well, like to people that play games. It's always wild to me when a game gets delayed and the public is like, "How fucking dare you!" And oh like, yeah, that's right. Like, what? It's, yeah, not not all of them, frankly. I think I think sure. more and more, you know, the last that that announcement we made, where we're being really honest, we say like, hey, we're delaying the game because it's not perfect yet. It's not it's not to the level that you're gonna appreciate. And uh, we had, I would say, majority of people that responded really well. You know, it was more Good. like, yeah, take your time. We want a good game, which makes sense, mm-hmm. as you say. You know, as you say, like as a gamer, you should understand that too. But yeah, there's a few that. You know, because they don't understand, I think, how it works, right? They, they, they probably, uh, you know, it's like if you ask me, you know, do you think it's hard to, uh, I don't know, like, you know, to have a restaurant or something? Ah, whatever, you know, it's probably simple. And then if you work for a restaurant, you think, dude, you have no idea how hard this is, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I think it's the same. Games are extremely hard to make. And I think from the public eyes, some people think that we should be better at planning or, you know, we should not have announced mm-hmm. it if we were not sure that this or that. Or, you know, it's, there's so many moving pieces and, and you have to, you have at some point to agree on something altogether. So, well, you know, it looks like we can ship the game by that date, you know, in three years from now. Like, good luck. Yeah. If you were trying to organize a party for your for your friend tonight, <laughs> you'd probably be late like 30 minutes, right? Because you, you got to go there. Like, if you count the amount of tasks that there is to make a party, there's probably like 10 tasks, you know, making sure that you have your cheese plate and your fruit and making sure that you've called everybody, etc. And with 10 tasks... Guarantee you're gonna be 30 minutes late, right? So imagine when you have like 10,000 tasks, like it is to make a game or to make a building. You know that's why constructions yeah. are late as well because the electrician, whatever happens, and you know he had an accident on the way or couldn't find the right cable. I mean that happens all the time, and there's yeah. no amount of contingency for delays that actually can work. Uh, you can, you can try, and then some, somehow if you if you say, well, I'm just gonna add three years of contingency just in case, <laughs> nobody's yeah. gonna accept this plan. 
So then you have to make a plan that is kind of believable and that satisfies everybody. Otherwise, nobody signs the deal in the first place, right? So, yeah, it's a complex, it's a very, very complex operation. And uh, fortunately, a lot of people are very, uh, at the end of the day, they'd rather have a good game uh, that is late than a game on time that sucks because then that game uh, is forgotten entirely after a few months. Yeah. I do think with... um like more and more like big AAA games coming out that are clearly unfinished and that unfortunately being more of a trend, I think people are a lot more understanding with delays and things like that these days than they might have been yeah. you know, a few years ago. Yeah, in a way it serves... Uh, uh, yeah, it serves the, the, the delays in a way, right? Because people have been burnt so bad that now if you say, well, we're going to delay the game to make it better, they go, okay, please do that. <laughs> so, Raph, what has been um, your your personal journey kind of through games? How did you first get into games and then, you know, wow, yeah, what's been your path? Um, so in my case, I... You know, I'm 51, so in the 80s, I was, uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, when I was eight, so we're talking, you know, it was like not even 80-something, right? And um, uh, so it was the very, very beginning of computers, and I did not have a computer of my, of my own, but a friend of mine that I always hang out with, his brother, his bigger brother, had an Apple II. Apple IIe, and to me that looked fascinating, and you know, this amazing machine from the future. And uh, he, uh, whenever he would not be at, at home, we would play on his computer. <laughs> and so I started to play when I was eight, uh, and I believe my first game, I mean, let's say my first relevant game was Ultima 1, uh, my, the first game that really uh, moved me in a way that showed me that uh, uh, that those worlds, those games can be more than a game. It's not a toy. It's it's a place yeah. that makes you travel, that makes you escape your reality in a way. And yeah. uh, uh, frankly, when I was a kid, my mother was always sick when I was eight. Uh, and I... You know, I didn't really enjoy real, the real life. I was more into, uh, I was more of one of those, one of those nerds kid that was looking for comic books or uh, any kind of escape, music, you know, dark music, you know. And uh, video games were perfect for that. It was a total escape, and uh, and so that's really how it started. And then the, you know, Ultima uh, was was my thing, and, and it's it's kind of a weird start for to get into video games because Ultima was extremely deep. Uh, it took for it took years to other games to, to reach that kind of depth. Um, you yeah. know, now I would say the equivalent would be Skyrim, uh, the Elder Scroll games, but uh, back yeah. then there was nothing other than Ultima. All the other kind of uh, attempt of RPGs were very uh, surfacey. So it uh, immediately tinted me with high, high expectations about interactivity, amount of possibilities, exploration, and all those things, all those values that I still push, you know, the fact that you can kill anyone in a game, that was that came mm-hmm. from Ultima. Uh, and I became obsessed with that uh, series of game, or, 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 
up to Ultima 7 and uh, and then Ultima Underworld so at this at this point I was 16 or 17 when those games came out and that's really uh, that's really how it started as a gamer and and in a way you know when you're so obsessed so one-dimensional about one aspect of life like to me video games were everything you know, the other part was music and that's it there was nothing else for me music and video games you know at this at this at that point my mother had died and uh, and I was born from an unknown father so my escape were were music and video games though those that was kind of a weird thing and so to me it took proportions that were beyond the norm uh, the importance of video games and what they bring and how they how they provide you for uh, they provide you a place to to feel comfortable and and to exist right uh, and I think that's why I took it with so much passion and so much serious uh, to me it's like it was no joke like I'm going to make video games or I'm going to make music that's all I want to do in my life and and the video games that I'm going to make are, are you know, I'm going to be very serious about it. I because I think, uh, from an entrepreneur standpoint or an artistic standpoint, uh, the the drive that you need to have to make those things happen has to come from very deep, and it needs to be because you want to introduce something that the world needs. Uh, at least in your in your mind, you know, in your head, in your perception of things, yeah. you you have to believe that your 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 project, your game, or your anything it is that you want to make, this new company or whatever, has to exist. You're solving a problem. You're you you're you're like you. That's that's your way to be to to bring meaning to your life, and that's your way to bring something to the world. It is as strong as that. It's a mission. Right, it's a mission yeah. that is that that comes from very very deep, and uh, that fire that that uh, that belief I had that that conviction uh, helped me go through all the all the hoops of uh, mm-hmm. starting a video game with you know not much money, recruiting people, writing a, a game design document convincing publishers even though it's super hard to convince anyone of anything when you just start <laughs> uh, but man I had I had this uh, I had this naive confidence in a way that like a, like a three-legged legged dog that doesn't know he has three <laughs> legs you know and he's still gonna run uh that ultimately people were following me you know uh one day one day my one of uh, my very good friends from Bethesda when i left Bethesda uh Todd Vaughn he um uh he said you know what your superpower is is that people will follow you you know uh so i guess i have that i i have that kind of like uh power of communicating what it is that I have in my head and why it is so important uh, to to yeah. do it right uh, so that's yeah and uh, and started with the I was I was lucky I started with EA frankly I was not because sometimes is wow. you look you look at life and you oft, often feel how is it that things work out 
manifest you know these ways it's uh, mm-hmm. so there's probably a little bit of being in alert for that thing to show up and then grabbing the opportunity but there's also a bit of luck and uh in my case i was as much as i wanted to make video games or music i had no idea how to get started and uh i got lucky because i i met with i didn't meet i was i was at i was doing the military service back in the days i was i think i was 20 and uh i filled i filed uh um an inter- not an interview, a competition, a, a, a contest on a magazine. There was a French magazine called Joystick. And I did this contest, and guess what? It was about Ultima. Uh, and the, 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 there, was a, there was a trip to win to Austin, Texas, to test the new Ultima, Ultima 8. And uh, there was, I was doing the military service, so there was 0% chances that I would take a trip to America to play test that game. First of all, like, how could I win anyway? Because there's probably a 100,000 people trying to win that contest. So anyway, I do that contest. Then I get a phone call uh, from EA telling me that uh, that was like a, um, a strange ways for them to look for someone to help them open an office in France. Because what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you did you Charlie and the Chocolate Factory your way? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Holy yeah. Shit. Kind of. Uh, that that brilliant idea from uh, that woman called Dom Gua back then. Uh, she uh, they were looking for an IT slash gamer. QA translator kind of kind of kind of kind of person, right? And they didn't yeah. really know how to uh, find that person, so they thought if they do a contest in a, in a magazine, in a video game magazine, they're gonna find the right person. So it was kind of like an, in, an interview in disguise. And uh, so I funny. I told them, look, that's that's great, but uh, I'm. I'm halfway through my year of military service. There's no way I can do anything. And they needed they need that person yesterday. So yeah. they uh, they said, well, let's still interview just in case. And so so I interviewed, and uh, and they liked me a lot. And uh, eventually they, you know, I remember having interviewed with uh, uh, the the boss of. Uh, EA Europe, his name is David Gardner, and uh, you know I was obsessed with Richard Garriott back then because he was the guy behind mm-hmm. Ultima. So uh, he said his way to tell me that I was hired was you will you will meet Richard Garriott, and uh, <laughs> which which was to me I mean you're 20 and uh, you know I'm a, I'm still a kid today, but back then I was even more a kid obviously, and I was fantastic, and they and they did everything they had to do to take me out of the of the army which is a very heavy process uh oh my god yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because i guess i was somehow articulate enough and for for a gamer i think their fear was that they would find some sort of like nerd uh that can't communicate or that uh is yeah. not organized or whatever so i was like they 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 decided that you know i was the guy they wanted so so that's how that's how i started and then eventually my ambitions were to actually create games of my own yeah. uh and uh you know when you 
when you're 20 and you're joining one of those big companies like EA, uh, there's it's a very very long road if you if you want to go that way to you know and and they, it's kind of soul crushing ultimately. I mean, I'm grateful of course that I joined EA back then because it was like going to school. You know, you're going to uh, mm-hmm. to college or something, but it's not. It's not really the place where you can be creative um, for obvious reasons. So yeah. my path was obviously to uh, to do my own thing, which was super scary, but I had no doubt it would somehow work, <laughs> which, which in retrospect was crazy and naive. Like how, how can you hope that? But uh, because it's there's so many, so many traps, so many ways to fail and, 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 you know, you need everything. You need luck and hard work and finding the right people and uh, yeah, everything to be aligned. That's amazing. I mean, it's a classic story. I mean, really, like how many times have we heard that, you know, oh, yeah, it was a contest. And then I, you know, <laughs> had a major video game company pull me out of military service. I mean, tale as old as time. Um, that is, yeah, that is one hell of an origin story, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned yeah. people like who have some of the people been for you that have made this impossible three legged race uh, happen? Uh, well, I mean, it's a combination of who I met, who worked with me and stayed with me until Wolf Eye, frankly, and a combination also of meeting my heroes uh, who helped me somehow. Because I think a lot of them, like, they could feel something. They, they you know, it's hard to show that you can do a good game. It's very hard. But they could feel that I was really, really passionate uh, and that I understood what makes the type of games that they made uh, good, right? So I think one of the first person I met in this industry was was Doug Church, uh, who was the maker of Ultima Underworld. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ultima Underworld was uh, my, my favorite game with Ultima, with Ultima 7. <laughs> And uh, I contacted him on email, uh, and he was nice, and he introduced me to more people from Looking Glass, and uh, and then ultimately we pitched Arx Fatalis to EA back then through the Looking Glass uh, company uh, when it before it folded, etc. So there's, there's a lot of meeting people like that, right? I've met, of course, all my heroes like Richard Garriott, and eventually I've met with Harvey Smith. Who, uh, who was also my hero for uh, Harvey has a very very similar t- story to mine like in terms of having um, a difficult childhood and uh, you know passion for the same games etc and uh, so he did Deus Ex and uh, I met him and eventually we became friends and so all this is I think to me it's about you know immersive sims are it's, it's a niche it's a very very specific type of games and at the end, when you are passionate by something so specific, uh, there aren't that many people in the world that understand those things and that can do them and uh, who have the passion to make them. And so it's a very small club. And eventually, you know, met Todd Howard and, and all that. So uh, some of it is, is meeting the good people and some of it is just having luck like my my uh, main partner right now uh, with Wolfeye mm-hmm. uh, his name is Julien Roby he was uh, 
he was my intern at Arcane when we maybe a year after we started. He had he had read some interviews about the game that I was trying to make, Arx Fatalis, and that I'm a big fan of Underworld and Ultima. And uh, this guy was, uh, I think he was 17 or 18 when he contacted me. And uh, he, uh, he kept on emailing me the same way I kept on harassing people, you know, like my heroes. And so he kept on emailing me. He's like, hey, you know, do you have a job? you have something? And uh, I was, I didn't know anything about that guy other that he had obviously some some creepy passion for the same kind of things that I like. <laughs> so I eventually gave him a chance. And he he came by for, he was supposed to be a one-month internship, not paid. Uh, and after three days, I thought, I, I, I want to keep this guy. Like there's, you know, there's there's no way this guy is going to leave me in a, in a month. Uh, <laughs> because he he was he had that i don't think people are equal in many ways you know some people are more problem solvers than others you know and he had this gene of of the problem solver in in a way that i had rarely seen before uh and instead of of bringing me problems or telling me hey the game is buggy because of this or that which is what i was expecting him to do and that would have been good enough but instead of doing this he would fix the thing you know, go and dig into the scripts, trying to find where the problem is and fix it. And then he comes to me and say, hey, I found this thing, like when the door opens, it does this and, you know, the NPCs are alerted, but I fixed it by changing the script there. Here it is, look at it if you're okay with it. And I was like, all right, this this guy is is gonna go far. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and so, and. You know, and they eventually became the executive producer of uh, over our games at Arcane, and uh, and now we work together as well with Wolf Five. So this is luck, you know. This is luck, yeah. and this is uh, it's a mix of luck and 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 exposing your passion very very clearly. I think when you expose your passion with a lot of integrity, a lot of honesty, um, people will find you in a way, right? Um, I think there is uh, there is something about that. People people like honest people in in terms of uh, sincere people. You know, uh, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about. There's no doubt that we were out to make the games we wanted to make, and and we exactly knew what they were going to be. And publishers, most of the time, they don't like that so much. They, <laughs> That's what uh, I was about to say. I was like, I was like, is he going to say publishers like that? Because I don't. Yeah. <laughs> No, most of the time they think uh, they think reversed. You know, they think, well, uh, this year we are uh, in our lineup. We need a you know a combat game as well as a racing car uh, uh, game. And uh, uh, what can you guys do for us? You know, that's how they look at it. Whereas we yeah. are thinking, well, we want to make this obscure RPG immersive sim game that probably <laughs> is not going to sell. <laughs> uh, and uh, would you want to give us a million dollar? You know, because back then that was the budget we were looking for. Arcs. Yeah. And uh, if you if you realize that there's probably only ten publishers in the world back then. I mean, we're talking ninety nine, so maybe there were yeah. twenty or whatever. But like you know, if you remove the ones that are obviously not a match, like the Japanese market or whatever, uh, then you really have like something between ten and fifteen potential targets. Yeah. 
uh, and that's a very very scary strategy. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not a winning strategy, yet it somehow worked out. And I guess again because the three-legged dog thing, you know. I, you know, as, you know, being on behalf of the publisher, I just want to say we at Devolver appreciate you spending the last three months um, turning Weird West into a Fall Guys clone. Um, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, the that's excitement right. of cowboys running and jumping, trying to catch a crown, I think is really going to appeal to a lot of people. And Yeah, I'm making really that uh, multiplayer at the last minute was a little hard, but uh, I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I have a... I have a I have a question too. Just this is kind of related to Ultima, and you know isometric, um, immersive you know Sims, but it, and online games, because Ultima Online was the Wild West of MMOs. Like you could do you could I I remember here I never actually played it. My friends played it, but there were just so many stories of the insane things you could do to people that like they they would scam people all the time. Uh, like it was just wild. I guess I'm curious. I, I don't even know what my question is. Just, just, did you have any experience? Like, the concept of an online immersive sim. How does that go for you in your head? Is that insane? Uh, it is insane. But I think the closest thing that to it was Ultima Online. I was, um, I, f I totally fell for Ultima Online in the sense that back then I was still working for EA. And uh, I was trying to get a job at Origin, actually. And mm. uh, yeah, for, uh, for Ultima Online 2, actually. Uh, but because they were obviously stopping, they were not going to make more single-player Ultimas. Uh, and I remember having tried the very, very first version of Ultima Online. It was still using the engine of Ultima 6, so that's two engines before the, 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 the final um, engine that they used. And uh, it was just a prototype. But again, back then, the only things that were online for gamers that were uh, were things like Command and Conquer and Doom. Yeah. So suddenly you had this thing where you had this little character moving around with, I think the server had about a hundred players, and um, and you could meet with people randomly, mm -hmm. start to talk to them, do all you know. And back then it was mind blowing. Today, of course, it's like you know what any game does, but uh, back then it was mind blowing. And uh, you could drop an item on the floor, another character would would take it. If you kill someone, then there's an NPC on the floor. Everybody's trying to loot it, and you know. And there was no, <laughs> there was no uh, protection. There was no. It was not a protected experience. It was all very raw, very thought like if a single player game suddenly was multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, and that was the best because <laughs> it would lead to, uh, it would lead to horrible, horrible, unfair brutal situations <laughs> but that's that's what it's about yeah, yeah that's exactly what it's about because it creates drama the the mm -hmm. and, and what you want in a game is drama is is tension is fear laughter surprise yeah. all those things and in a game that has so many systems at ultima like make, me, meaning combining objects to make another object uh, moving an object in the scene, 
riding a riding a horse, uh, uh, stepping through a gate that you just created anywhere in the world, which will actually teleport you somewhere. Mm-hmm. You can suddenly it becomes like an, an, a super cool sandbox with a bunch of with a bunch of people and people guess what there are some good people and some bad people <laughs> and uh anonymity and, amplifies that uh, anonymity amplifies that in fact some people would have sometimes like a good character and a bad character based on which day <laughs> they want to be you know but uh <laughs> i can tell you my best memories of online games were with ultima online uh because i would you would have a thrill of like you were always very vulnerable so mm-hmm. if you if you one minute of inattention and you could get screwed by someone in, in super creative ways you know one one, yeah. one uh, like some people found out that actually at the entrance of the bank where you're supposed to come back to after having found some treasure some loot you know you want to put your money to the bank so you you go through the door of the bank but some dude thought well you know what if i actually place a teleporter at the entrance of the bank <laughs> what's going to happen is that this guy is going to be teleported out, you know in, in my in my dungeon there where i'm waiting with a bunch of friends and gun and and uh, and, and weapons and mug this guy and and uh because if he's going to the bank, there's you know one of the possibilities is that he's coming back from from uh, from a treasure hunt, right? So yeah, that was super smart, and uh, I got mugged a few times like that. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes you manage to escape it, you know, you manage to escape the scam. Uh, mm-hmm. Or sometimes there's another guy that jumps into the gate just after you and helps you out of the scam, and you survive because there's no save, and and because when you die. Mm-hmm. In Ultima Online back then, you would lose all your items. There was no insurance, none of that, no, none, you know, <laughs> none of these pussy things. Like it, it was like it was real and, and, and direct, right? So, so when, you, so as much as you were morally and mentally destroyed if you lose all your loot, you would be also feeling like a sudden state of bliss if you managed to evade one of those aggressions, right? The same yeah. way you, you, the adrenaline would be pumping so hard. <laughs> that 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 at the end, you know when you, when you escape one of those you you have a story you tell it to your friends it was fantastic and then comes World of Warcraft all right guys yeah. no fun anymore yeah no it's all about <laughs> you know it's all about being kind to each other there's the you know there's the good world there's the bad world you can go to the bad world if you want to be mean to each other otherwise everybody is a good sheep here and that's why I hate more online games now uh, because but the thing is again reality is. Um, Ultima Online was fantastic, but it was also not viable as a. It would not compare to. Why do you yeah. think oysters don't sell as much as burgers? You know, it's because people like simple experiences. They like things that are um, not too tasteful, not too tasty, not too strong. You know, it's pretty safe. I can just play for five minutes. There's no danger, etc. And so ultimately, yeah. I think that's where the market goes. And funnily enough, back in the days, Ultima Online did that shift as well. Uh, they, the at some point, because they had so many complaints about peculars and, uh, and and how harsh was the experience overall. Because of course, when you have these kind of experiences, as much as you you love the you know surviving an attack or some things like that, you also hate losing your stuff. So, yeah. so but you forget that the 
the good comes with the bad. In order for to enjoy, to have that amazing happiness that you feel when you survive an attack, you need the consequences of failing the attack to be fairly strong. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no nothing at stake, and you're like it's just a flat experience where basically it's a it's a chat log in 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 disguise, you know, and and uh, and that's what happened with uh, with Ultima Online as well. They started to say, well, we're gonna make two worlds. There's gonna be Tramel and Feluca, and uh, one of them is gonna be for the people who like be killers, and the other one is gonna be for people who don't like to be uh, to have their th- thing killed you know and and so of yeah. course everybody went to uh they did you know either there was the the world of hell where like uh you could not make two steps before being killed and there was no friend to help you or yeah uh oh you were in the land of sheep where nothing was happening but uh you know just like little nice kind quests where you know, just everybody go kill the troll together you know and uh <laughs> and, and uh, for me the experience at this point that's when i i checked out entirely of ultima online yeah. Uh, because they had killed what was, you know, by trying to make it friendly, they also had removed what was interesting about that game was the, the balance, you know, the tension, yeah. the, the 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 fact that they are good people and bad people in the world. That that's what makes it relatable and and um, is going to cause some interesting drama. Yeah, yeah, because when you separate them, you you do all the all the dangerous people go into one room, and it's like I don't, I can't go into that room now. There's nobody in this room that's not a monster exactly so there's that's not very it's not a very fun experience but to your point i think ultima online was the closest thing to an online immersive sim yeah yeah I, I, eve online i think is the, is the oh only you're right one i can think of that has that level of yeah of brutality yeah 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 you're right so um kind of hearing what you're sort of saying about like things that you enjoyed in games um because I, I personally, I'm a big fan of uh, every game you've put out, <laughs> um, and a a common thread that I see in them is like player freedom and giving the player tools to kind of go about situations and solve problems in their kind of in their own way. Um, so is that like, I, I obviously you know you intentional when you do it, but like that is that something that's very important to you, like that the player has that kind of freedom. It's it's the only thing that matters to me. I mean, like if you think about it, to me, what matters is uh, the lore. Like, why do I care about this world? Uh, and to me, that happens by uh, creating interesting characters, interesting groups of people, interesting motifs, etc., in interesting worlds in general. And 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 then the other thing that matters is. Um, how can I, as a player, uh, do as much as I want and feel the consequences of what I did? And uh, you know, how much of it is a simulation versus how much, how much, how much of it is like directed by someone who's trying to tell me his story versus how much is it actually my own story as a gamer? Right. That that is, that is the part that matters the most. And uh, as soon as I can enter a building that was obviously not prepared for me to get in or um, or kill someone that was a, is not supposed to be killed but I find on his belongings the you know some personal items or things like that and I feel oh my god I'm behind the curtain right now I'm, you know <laughs> and uh, and when the game keeps going and 
falls on its feet like a cat uh, and it works and then I had my own story within the story kind of thing then to me it's that's it you know I had my experience there and it's simulated and uh, no, well, no one else had the same experience as I had the game responded to what I made and that's what make the difference between uh, uh, an interactive experience and a movie uh, and in a way, I'm disappointed, and I'm uh, that uh, that not all games do that, you know. Um, because as a gamer, I'm a little bored. There's there's 35 <laughs> games I've enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a little more. I mean, it's unfair to say that. I think um, as far as games that I like, I can I can appreciate. Uh, you know, for example, I loved Inscription, which has nothing to do with an RPG. It's not systemic. I mean, it is systemic in the in the way you can create your cards, etc. But I mean, mostly that's not the point of the game. Uh, yeah. But as soon as I play a game that goes into the RPG adventure kind of category, and you know everything is static, or I can't, you know, I can't do anything else than just following the the arrow, then I, you know, I'm yeah. like, okay, that's not that game is not for me. I can't help but say how mad I was at the first fable right now. Yeah, it's full of those things. And specifically Space. specifically after having sold us that it was going to be the game mm-hmm. where you can plant an acorn and, and wait for the tree to grow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was so incredibly on rails. And it was like, this is the opposite of what I was promised. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. How many times did you fail for it, though? Because... He was good at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I, I yep. I fell for it on Fable, and then I fell for it on Black and White, and then I was like, oh, right, you got is... you got owned again. <laughs> I did. I was so mad. I was like, what the fuck? I. But after that, I was. I mean, I think I think Peter Molino burned me hard enough that I I don't believe the hype on on a lot of things anymore. I don't believe it till I see it. Like, yeah. Really. You know, the thing um, is, though, I th- I believe. I don't think he's dishonest. I think he truly believes that that's where he wants to go. And because of yeah. it takes so long to make a game and you have to you have to make promises in advance. You have to tell people because you know people are going to interview you and it's gonna, what is going to be special about this game. So yeah. So you want to say something that is going to be catchy and interesting and and you know sometimes you speak your mind a little too fast and meanwhile the programmers <laughs> are like, "Oh my god, what did you just say?" But um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he might have overdone that part. But uh, yeah, they kept promising it until it came out. I don't know if they ever actually admitted that it wasn't what they said it was gonna be. Yeah, well, yeah, he's got that talent. It was, it was like I remember a few uh, GDC presentations where yeah, he's he's an amazing um, uh, presenter. You know, very very yeah. good. I remember Warcraft 3 was actually supposed to be something like that. I remember they were doing, like Blizzard was putting out stuff about Warcraft 3, and the idea behind that was it was really going to be a strategy game, but it was going to be like an immersive world strategy game. You had one base the whole time, and you had all these different adventures, and it was supposed to be this incredibly complicated thing. And they you know, they publicly were like, okay, we, we can't do this. We're going to make this other game now. And they made Warcraft three, which was, you know, basically just a 3d Warcraft two. But, um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard to make something that that's that interactive where everything 
Well, and there's also the totally, and there's also the DNA of your company. Uh, I I think uh, I remember what you're talking about back in the days, and I never believed in it because I I could see what they've been doing for years, decades of uh, their craft. Their craft was very yeah. specific to uh, loot, uh, hoarding interesting items that were generated yeah. on the on the fly with amazing um, amazing algorithm to to uh, to you know to get that loop that hook etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the last thing they were good at, at least to, for my taste, was to make interesting adventures and and uh, and and anything interactive, frankly, other than uh, uh, monsters to 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 kill. Uh, they, they, the rest of the world was super static. You would go into a room. There was there was nothing to do other than loot the chest or or, sh- or shoot the monster. Okay. So when a company yeah. that has and and but they do that to perfection, right? With the nice sound yeah. that that comes at the right time. And but <laughs> but but when a company is so good at this one thing, and then they tell you next game we're gonna make an RPG which is super interactive and you're gonna have this and this and that. I'm like, it's gonna have to convince this entire crew. Not only convince them, but retrain them. Like there's some some yeah. sort of like uh, company DNA that that and 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 habits that are just impossible to break. You know, it, it never clicked with me. All three of their canceled games that I'm that I'm aware of were RPGs. There was the the Warcraft three prototype. There was the uh, the Warcraft um, point and click adventure they were going to make, and then there was Starcraft Ghost. And yeah. all three of those were like narrative RPGs that they had to bail on. Interesting. Yeah. Very and, interesting. But, you know, to the point of like the strategy of uh, not releasing um, uh, a game that is not ready yet, I think the other strategy is to kill games when they're not, when they, yeah. when, you know, when they don't work. Because it's, Absolutely. it's, it seems weird, but you will, you will arm your brand less um, mm-hmm. than, than shipping something. And, and Blizzard and Valve as well understood that extremely well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, we are we are throwing fifty million dollars out of the window, but uh, <laughs> other than that, we we would arm, we would damage our brand. What do we prefer? You know. Yeah. Respect so on that. I, I, yeah, yeah, res- very respectable. Because I don't know. I mean, you can't guarantee that unless you're doing a formula and you're doing like a, you know the fifth sequel to something that already you know is, has, has been working for decades uh, mm-hmm. it's always hard it's always hard to pull off a new IP and a new new concept and uh, those two companies like Valve and, and, and Blizzard they've they've really they've been there you know they've pushed like the, the uh, innovation etc so yeah Kudos to them to sometime realize well you know this one just abort him um, it, it's it's yeah. it's you it can't go anywhere and that's fine you know it's it's hard to you know it, it also allows you to try things otherwise you don't you lose your uh, you lose your uh, odyssey odyssey you know um, because you want to be too too safe yeah yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm trying to think if we've got time for more questions. I guess because we're running out of time, can you share with us, with our audience? Because we we've talked about you and about games in general. We haven't really gotten too deep into Weird West, but I think everything we've talked about, I think, will inform people on what to expect with Weird West. Yeah, <laughs> to some degree, yes. Because uh, you know, I think I think we talk about some of the values that are so important 
to a lot of the crew at Wofi and so you know chances are you're going to find the similar values in in Weird West. Yeah. Is there anything we haven't touched on that that you feel is important to uh for folks to know about the game? Um well, I mean, I'm trying to think of like what's uh what's not already out about it. Um yeah. I think I don't know. Weird West is an interesting game. If I look at it from, um, in hindsight, I think it has chances to actually do really well because it's, um, so we, we made the choice of going with this third, third person ISO view kind of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think bears less confusion than the first person market in a way. When we, I used to make only first person games, uh, first-person immersive sims, and they are the intersection between first-person shooters and and RPG and adventure, and they are hard to sell because people never really understand what they are. They 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 think they're going to be shooting at things, and instead they they start you know uh, exploring a place. Uh, yeah. And uh, whereas Weird West already has that action RPG vibe uh, on screens, so. I think it's going to map better to people's expectation in that regard. Now, where they might be surprised is how much depth there is and how much more they can do than uh, in in you know in some action RPGs where they just wander around and and shoot at things. You know, there's there's gonna it's gonna be there's gonna be more. There's gonna be much more because of course we we like you to explore a world where everything is interactive. And uh, people are going to lose themselves in anything, you know, kicking a barrel, seeing the barrel fall <laughs> on the floor and maybe roll into fire, start catching fire, keeps keeps on rolling. And then now it's like the field is on fire and a tornado comes by and the tornado is itself on fire and, and, and uh, move all the items around. And, you know, so that kind of thing is... Um, I think is fun because again going back to what I was saying a little earlier when a player experiences that and it's in the middle of a mission and it totally disrupted his plan uh, it but then somehow took the player somewhere else that was still enjoyable then it feels like the player went on his own adventure yeah and uh, and that's really what we want with Weird West. I think there's several levels of readability. There's the first one, which is, okay, well, just do what the designer tells you to do, you know, because we have objectives, and uh, in those objectives, we are not always super clear about the fact that you can do them in many ways. You know, sometimes we're just mm-hmm. going to say, well, you know, just go there and kill that person. Uh, and... I would say probably 70-80% of the players are just going to do that. They're just going to follow the follow the objectives because they want to be good to the game. They don't want to break anything, you know. Uh, and also because they're trained to do that. So hopefully even that layer is good and, and they like the story that we have to tell. Um, but hopefully some of them 
first of all, some of them are going to feel that there are some other things you can do, but they also still don't want to do them because they're worried about the consequences. But that alone is already a win because it means <laughs> it means that it pulls you into the world and into the reality of this world, you know, when you feel that, okay, looks like the AI actually can, you know, can see if I'm stealing this. I would like to steal that thing, but should I? No, I'm just going to be a good guy, you know. And yeah. the fact alone that you could be a bad person but you decide to be a good person gives meaning to the to your to you being a good person as opposed yeah. to a game that doesn't let you being a bad person anyway yeah. uh, because there's going to be moments where you're going to really really be struggling for bullets or money in general or maybe you're like super low on on um, band-aid and and uh, it's going to be very tempting to just steal the chest from the church you know it's very very because there it's open there's money in there why don't you do it uh and you know if nobody sees you that's okay just do it you know but some people are still going to be feel bad about it uh and if we can make them feel something that's that's a win you know so that's it's this kind of game and um uh, where you can kill absolutely everyone or kill absolutely no one um other than monsters but you you can you can actually avoid killing any human being in this game uh, nice. So there's a yeah there's a wide variety of playthroughs uh, that could happen and uh, the game is rich and I think um, again it was made with a lot of honesty and passion uh, gamer integrity and and I hope people feel that I hope people lose themselves in this uh, in this game and uh, end up uh, really digging it you know because uh, we definitely uh, poured a lot of passion in it. Wonderful. Yeah, that's going to be great. They're going to love it. Uh, well, thank you. Thank for you. For taking the time to join us. Um, where can where can folks go to learn about you or Wolfi or Weird West? Uh, so I'm not the best at social media and stuff like that, but we are, there's definitely a, um, a Twitter, um, uh, you know, on Wolfi Studios. Uh, we have a Twitter handler. I mean, they can, of course, check it on Devolver. And uh, I got right. my, I got my own Twitter. I don't tweet often, but you know, it's there. Uh, if yeah, so. Uh, Rafco Antonio, I guess uh, at Rafco Antonio. I do I do post sometimes a few things. Um, yeah. But the main one would be at Wolfi Studios. Yeah, let me check. Wolfi real... Studio. Okay. Let me check real quick. Um, it's at. Wolfi Games at Wolfi Games. Great. Wonderful. Well, thanks for being here. Now I'm going to do all the the devolver. Jared, do you want to do the devolver social plugs? Oh, I am so bad at that. I'm gonna I'm gonna step <laughs> back because <laughs> I'm great at it. Um, <laughs> at least you know I mean, some of them. The first time I you do, said yeah. We well, have a TikTok. I, my mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost verified. Uh, we got it. We got us a TikTok. Uh, we're at Devolver Digital on Twitter. We're twitch.tv slash Devolver Digital for streaming. You can follow at Devolver PA on Twitter to find out when those streams are going to be. If you're interested in Discord, Devolver, no, discord.gg slash Devolver Digital. And then there's Instagram and there. That's all of them. And, uh, and, and, um, and of course, TikTok. Because we're happening. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for being here, Raphael. Thanks for talking to us and sharing your story. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you for inviting. It was very fun. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.